You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. I would like to um, speak to you a message titled God's Gift or a Gift on the Tree. Gift on the Tree. Growing up in a more traditional Pentecostal family where giving, Chris, celebrating Christmas was kind of looked at as um, a little bit skeptical. Um, and uh, giving gifts on Christmas wasn't necessarily practiced. Let me give you just a little background on Christmas. is that Jesus was not born on December 25th. Okay, just a little FYI. All right. Um, December 25th was a Roman uh, pagan holiday where they were celebrating the rise of, or the, the, the sun. The, the, the sun and there was a shift in, in seasons and weather. And so uh, one of the uh, emperors that was inspired because the Pope first decided to change uh, the bishop decided to change um, that pagan holiday into something that we don't just throw it away but he shifted into celebrating the rise of the sun the, the son of God and so and then it got instituted and it became what Christmas is known today but it does have a pagan roots but for us as Christians any opportunity we get to celebrate Jesus is the opportunity we take any opportunity we get a chance to go in a mall and hear Christmas music and uh, and just celebrate Jesus and and any opportunity we get to get gifts we also take that somebody say amen there's different types of gifts you can receive the best gifts of course is cash but there are gifts when people give you things and, and things are also good toys um, uh, electronics if they have a receipt in them especially those are good there are things when people give and this is my least favorite is when people give you plants the problem with plants is that you have to take care of them they don't take care of you and then there's another level of gifts which i think is the most dangerous one is when people give you pets it's like hey we just want to bless you we just been thinking you really need a cat and you're looking at that you're like you don't want to say like why do you hate me that much or you know because you have to take care of that uh, I heard Pastor Ilya mention he was with one pastor in I think was, was it in Europe where the the president gave a, the pastor a wife a few women as a gift a few wives so this pastor goes to this country I'm not going to mention the country and the the main leader of the country offers him a gift and he gave him I think like a gold mine or or, or, or I think it was a gold mine and then he also gave him two women he says this is my gift to you the generosity of our country and, uh, and so the pastor looks like, well, I'll take the gold. He says, keep the women to yourself. He's like, I already have a wife. I'm a Christian. So gift, any gift that doesn't involve cash and things is a gift that is a burden to us because you have to take care of it. God's gift on Christmas is God didn't give us cash and God didn't give us things. God gave us a being, a person. And I know that our reservation is that, well, I don't need anything that has life. I don't want anything that has life. Why? Because goldfish dies in my house and plants they wither and nothing and I'm trying to keep my wife or my husband happy and that's not working out really well and my kids are crazy. I don't need another gift from God that has life in it. Give me cash. But see God's gift is different. It has life in it but it's the only gift you'll ever receive that takes care of you. You don't have to take care of it. See your parents put gifts under a tree. God put the gift on the tree. When they give you gifts, you know, they, they take care of particular area of their life, your life. But when God gave his gift, it takes care of everything. Someone says is that if our need would have been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. 
if our need would have been money God would have sent us economist if our need would have been pleasure God would have sent us entertainer but because our need was salvation God sent us a savior 2000 years ago when Jesus was born God didn't send us salvation God sent us a savior he didn't send us healing he sent us a healer he didn't send us deliverance he sent us a deliverer he didn't send us peace packaged by Amazon Prime in two-day shipping with his angels God sent us a peacemaker a prince of peace unending everlasting peace I would like to open Ephesians chapter 2 and if you have a Bible app, you version, our notes are there. You can go on more on the bottom and click events, enable the location and then you'll be able to see the notes and follow the notes through and save them into your phone or the notes will be on the screen as well. Those who are watching us are live, um, you can just uh, follow the Bible app on your phone as well. And thank you for watching us live. Whatever you're watching, we love you and we pray God's richest blessings on you in Jesus name. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, it says the following but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses he made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus but God who is rich in mercy. See God is rich in many things. God is rich in money. God is rich in gold. God is rich in resources. God is rich in power. God is rich in connections. God is rich in pretty much anything you can think of. God is super rich in. But in the Bible as I studied for this week and I tried to search which area is God most proud to be rich in. I found it to be surprising that nowhere in the Bible it says God is rich in resources. Nowhere in the Bible it says God is rich in knowledge even though we know He is. Nowhere in the Bible it, God goes on bragging about the fact that He is rich in eternity because He is eternal. There were few places in the Bible where the Holy Spirit inspired the authors to write this, that God is rich in mercy. Meaning if God is going to brag about being rich in something. Now if you are rich in stuff like everything. I'm pretty sure mercy is not going to be one of those things you're going to be like um, on your Instagram bio. Rich in mercy. <laughs> it's like what is that supposed to mean? Just, just, just rich in mercy. God has so much mercy. He renews it every day. He's like I didn't like yesterday's mercy. I want to put new one today. God has so much mercy that the scripture says that he doesn't find pleasure in the strength of a man or the power of a horse but he finds pleasure in those who hope in his mercy. Not those who have faith in his mercy meaning they didn't even got to the point of having faith that I just hope in God's mercy and God says I like that. God's mercy is as high as the heavens is from the earth the scripture says. God's mercy is so powerful he has a full bank of it that a blind Bartimaeus one day was screaming and saying son of David have mercy on me and though he was blind from birth that mercy healed him. That tells me mercy is not just God feeling sorry for me. Mercy is powerful. It could heal me. Lepers got healed through that mercy and we see in this I think it was um, uh, the, the Pope Francis he says that Jesus Christ is the face of God's mercy. Charles Spurgeon said, God's mercy is so great that you may 
sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God. God is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. We're talking about being rich. The area that God is most rich in is his mercy. When I think of mercy, I, in, in, my, in my mind, mercy is always like connected with like a sympathy or like feeling sorry for somebody. And so when I saw that God is rich in mercy, I almost felt like God has this big account where God has like big feelings of sympathy and sorry for us. But then as I read this verse, it destroys that idea because it says the following, God who is rich in mercy because of his great pity he has for this human beings. That is not what it says. You know what it says over there? Because of his great love with which he had loved us. The bank of God's mercy is being financed by God's love. God is not merciful to you because he feels bad for you. God is merciful to you because he loves you. Sometimes you see a person on the street who is a beggar and who is struggling and you feel bad for them so you give them money. Now where that person doesn't care where your motives are coming from. Whether you feel bad for him or you love him, five bucks is five bucks. Right? And so I know if God will give us mercy at the end of the day it's like you know what God, hey you saved me, thank you. But God is wants you to know and wants me to know that the motive for his mercy is not pity. It's not feeling sorry. It's not that God sees you and I going to hell and says, you know what, I want to do something about it. Bible says God is rich in mercy because of his great love. John 3.16, Ilya said today, for God so loved the world. Meaning the reason for Jesus to come on the cross is not because God felt bad. It's because God fell in love. So loved. so loved not felt so bad not because God felt obligated by the courts of heaven and the justice system of eternity not because God got cornered not because God saw the tears and then he just felt obligated and felt you know I gotta do something so loved God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us the bank of God's mercy is being financed by God's love and God's love has no end and God's love is eternal and God's love, God is love and therefore that bank will never go bankrupt. Your past can never make withdrawals in that bank where that bank will say you can't come here no more, the account is empty and if you emptied it yesterday, God says today it got replenished. Mercies are new every morning somebody say amen. amen God being rich in mercy what does that mean preacher I'm glad you asked because we are going to look at Ephesians and we're going to see as we continue in verse 5 and if you have a Bible we're going to use this verse today as a point of reference for everything that I'm going to mention and everything that I'm mentioning already verse 5 God's mercy is revealed in the fact that verse 5 it says the following even when we were dead in trespasses See, there's two kinds of people. There is people who are dead in sin and dead to sin. And in here the Bible says when we were dead in trespasses, meaning we were dead in our sins. God what he did is he made us alive together. 
it doesn't say here that God made us become good people it says here God made us to become alive sometimes people accuse Christians and they say you are not good people God's first goal wasn't to make Christians good is to make them alive I know a lot of alive people who are not good but they are alive they're working on it and so don't get surprised if you look at a Christian and you say well but they're not as good as I thought they should be. Jesus did not come on earth to make bad people good. He came on earth to make dead people alive. Sin kills. Religion puts a suit on the corpse. Goodness is not enough corpses are good have you noticed that dead people behave good have you noticed that they look good most of them never wear a suit until they're in a casket and they're dressed so nice they smell so good and they behave so well you can pinch a dead person he won't talk back pinch your wife like that your husband don't try it at home. Don't try it here. Try it at home. <laughs> you can get up and say, you know what? I hate you. You ugly thing. And they will not even blink at you. Why? Because they behave good. All of their good behavior, good clothing doesn't make them alive. That's why Jesus' goal is not to put a suit on the corpse. His goal is to put life in the corpse. And whether that corpse comes alive with a suit or no suit at all. He says, we'll worry about the clothing later. My priority is not to make dead people good. My priority is to make dead people come alive. Any alive people we have in this house this morning. Any alive people who would agree they got still some things that God needs to work on. I am not in any way giving Christians an excuse to act like jerks and idiots. What I'm saying for those of you who are visiting us today and maybe you're not a Christian, hold your judgment and you might be better person than a Christian that you know. By your betterness, I know it's probably not a word like that in the dictionary but I'm an immigrant here so I just made one up. <laughs> Your good works are a suit on the corpse. They make you look better and behave better but you're nowhere nearer to Christ because the only thing that Jesus does is he doesn't first, he doesn't just come to make you good, he comes first to make you alive. And we see that in here is that and when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. Made alive. When I, when, I, when I see that word, when resurrections happen in the Bible, when Jesus raised people from in the Bible, they were all happened one common thing. Is that Lazarus who died was the Lazarus who rose from the dead. Like Lazarus did not die and then um, Joseph rose from the dead. Like the same people rose from the dead, right? when you and I died in sin and you got raised back you didn't get raised back as a sinner you got raised up and made alive as a son 
that's your difference between your resurrection and everybody else's resurrection is that you died as a sinner you were made alive as a son the challenge with many of us is that those of us in here who have received the gift of salvation we have not fully unwrapped God's gift on the cross because many of us have come alive as ex-dead sinner it's kind of like the people who came out of jail who sat in jail for a felony and they came out of jail and they're no longer in jail they are free they're done with jail but jail is not done with them how do I know so because felons have limitations in four areas their employment it's very difficult to get a job as a felon that you want you're out of jail but the jail is not out of you and many people when they get saved they feel like well I am out of jail of sin but I'm still a felon and see what God wants you to do today is to recognize when God makes you alive he doesn't make you alive as a sinner he makes you alive as a son you're not a felon you're not an orphan and you're not an ex anything you're a son somebody shout I'm a son felons not only that they're limited in employment but they're limited in housing every housing application they ask you have you had this have you been convicted of that and a lot of landlords they will deny housing to someone who has been in jail though they're not in jail and many Christians they live exactly the same they get saved but they live as felons on parole living on parole with God always with this chip yes I'm going to heaven but I am not worthy of his love yes I'm going to heaven but you know what I still feel and I live and I see myself as a felon God does not that's why he sent his son to die for you not an angel because if it would be an angel who would have died for you God would have made you alive as an angel but God wanted a son therefore he had a son to die for you he did not want a sinner he wanted a son sorry I know it's Christmas morning somebody looking at like what's wrong with him why is he this this is too exciting for me God did not want a sinner saved by grace he wanted a son otherwise he would have sent an angel an archangel but he wasn't looking for more angels he was looking for more sons when I was made alive I came alive as a son I still feel like a felon sometimes I still may act like a felon my neighbors will see me like a felon or like an orphan the devil will remind me that I'm not wanted and look at what you've done but see I have been made alive and I am a new creation I know who I am. A felon is also limited in, in education. Most of felons have not finished their high school diploma. And another thing the felons are limited in is in voting. Most of the states in America, 35 states ban people who are on parole from voting. And 12 states in America will not allow you to vote if you have a felon status you're limited and we have people here today who know exactly what I'm talking about 
people look at you different the moment you fill out different things things like that surface and what I want to tell you that might happen with your criminal life or your past life what I want to see a shift is in our spiritual life that when you come to Christ that you come alive not as a sinner saved by grace going to heaven salvation is not a ticket to heaven it's a adoption it's birth it's not an insurance it's joining a family I'm a son I'm not an orphan I'm not a felon Jesus died as a sinner that I will live as a son did he feel like a sinner on the cross I don't think so because he said father which tells me with all the sin on him he still felt like a son he didn't feel like a sinner but why did he die as a sinner so when I don't feel like a son I can live like a son my feelings don't determine my sonship my birth does I'm pretty sure Vince doesn't always feel like a son his looks and his good works don't make him a son it's the fact that he was born in that family that makes him a son Jesus died on the cross as a son for you to become a son amen we were talking with our staff this week and we we're mentioning from a book that I read where an author said God is not looking for employees God is looking for children and he says the the author said the following he says employees get a wages sons get inheritance employees get paychecks quickly inheritance doesn't come quickly let me ask you a question would you rather have become an employee of Walmart or son of the owner of Walmart but if you become his son you don't get just cash you get inheritance and inheritance doesn't come right away and see most of us even in ministry or serving you feel like well I'm working for God see you're still thinking like a sinner that was saved by grace oh I need to pray I need to talk to God it's my responsibility you're still thinking like a sinner saved by grace meaning you're acting like a felon in the kingdom of God God wants you to update your thinking that when you spend time with God you don't say I have to but I get to he's my dad when you come to serve at the church you don't say oh my god I'm working no you're working not for God you're working with God he's your dad you own the company I'm a son somebody say amen and then he secondly he said I was made alive together with Christ and verse 6 and raised us up together he raised us up together so not only I was made alive that's that's great I am a son I have been saved I'm no longer dead now I need to you know the Lord is working on my righteousness and he's changing my character but then Jesus does one more thing he pulls this big withdraw from the mercy bank and he says he raised us up together see when Jesus was coming on this earth I believe there was this council in heaven and God looked at the humanity that we committed sin and he said somebody needs to go and pay for their sin and I believe angels went up I'll go he says well the problem is that if you pay for their sin yeah they'll they'll only be able to become angels and I don't I mean they can still go to heaven but I I mean don't mind you angels I just I like sons 
So Jesus is Jesus is looking at the Father and says, That means I have to go. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's like, Well, I'll go. I, I don't want the spirits, I want sons. Okay, okay, Jesus, you're gonna have to go. Okay, I'm gonna go. So, uh, what does it mean, Father? Uh, I'm gonna pay for their sin because there's no atonement without the shedding of blood. That means I'm gonna have to die. Um, you're gonna have to die. Jesus is like, Well, I, I saw how lambs, which are the shadows of the Lamb of God, how they die. It's pretty quick. Like in a temple they come in and because of children I'm not going to describe the whole story but their death is quick. The lamb goes through a short short period of time of pain and death is quick. The blood is shed and it's atoned. The sins are atoned so Jesus says well not a big deal. I'll come be born at one particular time. Blood is spilled. The atonement is made. And the father says well not only I want them to be sons I also want to be able to add things to this plan of redemption and this gift of salvation that I give them. What are things father? One of the things that sin did is sin brought disease and sin brought sickness on this earth. And so the father looks at Jesus and he says uh, before you die would it be possible that you make a pit stop in one of the places where the uh, Romans will um, will uh, they will tie you up and um, and you will get whipped and I believe Jesus is asking the father he said father is it necessary for their salvation oh no it's not necessary for their salvation but it's required for their healing Jesus you're gonna die but could you just make a pit stop where uh, you will get whipped if you think that what happened on the cross was random it was not if you think that Jesus got beaten random, that all of this was random, none of it was random. The Bible says he was saying certain words just to fulfill the word that was spoken before. Out of 300 something prophecies for Jesus's life on this earth, everything was planned. Virgin birth was planned. For him to go and run to Egypt was planned. And 150 prophecy out of 300 was fulfilled in six hours of his death. Which tells me nothing about him dying on the cross was random. Romans thought they had the whole situation in control. They did not have a clue. They only followed what he decided in heaven. Why did Jesus decide for all of these stops before he died for my sin? And I believe why he decided is because the Father saw the pain the people experience in their emotional level and their spiritual level and their physical level. And God the Father asked Jesus, could you make a pit stop? I have preached this before and it was not accurate. That Jesus received 39 lashes on his back. The reason why it's not accurate is because the Jewish law says you can only beat a man 39 times and there is a medical study that's been done where all the diseases in the world actually are put into 39 categories and so preachers like me see 39 and 39 and we make assumptions there was only one mistake with that statement and I made that statement and I'm gonna correct myself today is the Jews did not whip Jesus Romans did and Romans have no regard for Jewish law and they don't have a regard for mercy and they beat people without limits. Something like this was the pit stop that Jesus had to stop on the way to paying for my sin and my friends this 
was not necessary for you to go to heaven but this had to happen for you to experience healing Jesus healed on this earth because he's a healer he healed on this earth to manifest the kingdom of heaven he healed on this earth out of compassion but in Matthew chapter 8 and if you can put the verse I want you to watch this verse very carefully where the text collector he explains why healing happened and it says that Jesus would go around healing the people and casting out devils and in this verse it says the following when evening had come they brought many to him who were demon possessed and he cast out spirits with the word and healed all who were sick if you have time to put the verse up verse 17 it says the following that it might so I want you to watch this he healed all who were sick can you say that word with me after the word sick that that he healed all who were sick that why he healed those people and it says that it will be fulfilled what it was said by prophet Isaiah and what the prophet Isaiah said he himself took on our infirmities and bore our sicknesses Jesus did not only healed because he was God he did not only heal because he had compassion he did not only heal to manifest the kingdom he healed that it will be fulfilled that all the diseases of the world were planted into his back these nails glass and rocks that were tied to leather strips they were putting sickness into his back and Jesus went around healing the sick and Matthew says this is why because they were all given to him and therefore he has the right to take them away that means sickness is illegal in my body that means cancer is illegal in my body that means arthritis I don't have to carry and I can receive healing why because he bore my disease on the cross you know why you get healed you know why even smaller or bigger diseases get healed it's not only because God is compassionate it's because Jesus bore it on his back he didn't have to do that for you to be saved he did it so you can experience healing anybody in this room has ever experienced physical healing through prayer stand up stand up anybody in this room who experienced emotional healing through prayer stand up I want you to turn around and look at this Jesus I want you to look at this because what you paid for on the cross we've been opening that gift we've been receiving that gift see Jesus on the cross before he got to the cross he took a pit stop and he took that pit stop so that you and I can experience healing I believe the greatest secret to healing is not to focus on your pain and it's not to focus on your sickness is to focus on the cross are you with me T take your seat just just for a moment I believe the Lord is gonna heal people in this room today because that is his gift on the tree that is his gift 
on the tree I believe God the Father and the Son is planning and Jesus says you know what Father if I really need to go and make a pit stop and have Romans whip my back so that we can heal people so diseases don't have to kill people so we can heal people Jesus says you know what Father I will do it how long will be the whipping we don't know it depends on how mean the Roman soldiers will be that's pushing it dad but I'll do it and God the Father presented to Jesus and he said one, 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 one more thing after the whipping before you get whipped could I ask that your death doesn't become quick could I ask that your death doesn't become painless could I ask that we see Jesus you have to understand is that people on this earth not only have sicknesses they face demons they face curses they have nightmares at night some of them have worshipped the devil and because of that today the devil haunts them and torments them and makes their life as living hell on this earth Jesus you, you see that they're living in a hellish situation and what we want to do is we want to offer them an opportunity where they can not only be made alive raised up but they can also be seated in the heavenly places watch this the humanity lives in hellish situations curse is living hell let me describe to you a life of curse life of curse has few things one of them this is actually straight from Israel around the area where Jesus was crucified they found the thorns and they knitted together and I have a certificate for this so it's not just bought here but the first aspect of a curse is the curse they put a crown of thorns on Jesus's head and the reason why they did this not so you will be saved is so God will remove you from hellish situation and seat you in the heavenly place and the first first deliverance that happens is on the level of the mind when the crown of thorns was placed on his head and then the Roman soldiers I want you to, to touch this and the Romans hold this and the Roman soldiers they would take this crown and they would beat this crown into his skull this was happening because one of the things that humanity is facing under a curse is anxiety depression bipolar multiple personalities disorders their mind cracks under the weight of sin and God the Father said I don't want to just make them alive I want to raise them up in their healing and I want to seat them in the heavenly places which means we got to get them out of the hellish place and when they're in depression when they're popping sleeping pills because they can't sleep at night they're in a hellish place their mind is broken they can't think straight Jesus could we add that to your 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 uh, payment could you could you take on the crown so that we can take their depression Jesus I, I will do it what else dad he says after that there is one more thing that is happening with curses people who face curses they're pretty much always are addicted have habits that they can't break and one thing that addiction does see when you come and they tie you up on the cross by your by a rope that's strong you can't pull yourself back but when they nailed him on that cross he couldn't get himself off one of the signs of curses is when you have a nail that goes through your character 
and nails you to a particular habit you can't pull yourself off from and I believe God the Father allowed Jesus on purpose to die being nailed so I can be loosed that the nail of pornography can be loosed from my life that the nail of Nakajin can be loosed from my life that the nail of perversion can be loosed from my life and the things that I am chained to the things that I cannot be free from on my own that God can pull me out of that whether it's drugs whether it's alcohol whether it's your past whether it's abuse you can be free today in Jesus name if a nail has attach your life to something in your past you can be free today in Jesus name Jesus died with a nail so you will live free from your addiction I don't care if this nail has been passed on to you from your dad and from your mom your dad and your mom struggle with this everybody in your family lived with this and they were nailed to that wood of character and you said Vlad this is just who I am he died to make you alive, to raise you up and to sit you in a heavenly place. You're living in a hellish place with addiction but through Jesus you can sit in a heavenly place of freedom. Somebody give God a shout of praise! Not only he was nailed with the crown but they stripped him of his clothing and you know what they did with his nice clothing they gambled it right in front of him they took his garments one of the Romans decided to rock paper scissors to whom it belongs one of the signs of curses is when your hard-earned money is gambled by someone else you're watching when your own money the ones that you work for the cars the houses is being ripped and taken away by divorce ripped and taken away by other things and you're looking you're like but that, 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 that's, that's mine my mom made it for me oh, that's, 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 that's mine and that's never coming back to you Jesus suffered on the cross not only depression not only that that addiction that that nails us but he also suffered excruciating poverty so that curses of poverty can be broken over our life and we can keep the money that we make I'm not saying that he died so you have a Rolls Royce and a private jet it's so that the garment you have the money you make they stay in your family they don't get gambled and tossed by other things can somebody say amen and right there on the cross he was betrayed he was forsaken all four baby if you can give me my bible Sorry, I'm all over the place today. So that on the cross, the Bible says, He made us alive together with Christ so that we can be sons. He raised us up together, meaning He raised us up from our sickness and emotional pain. And He made us sit in the heavenly places, which tells me, today I have a right not to live in a hellish place. I know it's Christmas and trust me some of you came here like did the preacher forgot that it's Christmas not Easter? I didn't but just because it's Christmas there are people in this room people watching this telecast and watching our live stream who are right now in a hellish place. Jesus came on this earth 
to pick you up from the place of demons and curses and repeated fate of your parents and to sit you down in his blessing in the heavenly place above your problems above those things why and this is what he said at the end that in the ages to come he can show his riches to us meaning Jesus says sit with me why I'm gonna start showing you some good stuff meaning when I get free from curses next second things don't change he sits me down and starts giving me a new movie for my life and he says in ages to come in the year 2019 in the year 2020 in the year 2021 in the year 2023 as your life goes on so I can show you now my favor the devil has been showing to you his mess but now you're seated with me and I'm gonna show you my blessing come on somebody thanks for listening to this week's message from hungry generation Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.